Welcome to Beating Cancer Daily. Beating stage four cancer for 30 years still takes my breath away every time I say it. I'm Saren, founder of the Comedy Cures Foundation, and I hope you'll join me for just a few minutes daily for the next 365 days so we may laugh, learn, maybe cry a little as we live our best days beating cancer daily together. This is very unusual because usually you record a podcast and then the podcast is over and then you meet up with your guest another time if you're going to record another episode. But I just recorded an episode with Missy And we started to talk and she said something and I literally said to her, let's record another episode. And Missy Hall is a comedian. I hope you've heard the other episodes that we did. We have so many episodes together. She is a comedian, but also a recent cancer survivor and She's allowed us to take the journey with her. And while we're taking the journey, she and I talk a lot about comic perspective and we teach you how to develop your comic perspective. And you, we let you into a writer's room feel of how comedians develop material and how they see the world through a funny lens, even when things are very traumatic. So the episodes I think are really cool. And so does Bissy. But as we were ending the episode, Missy, I'm going to let you say what you said. Okay. I, Saren says <laughs> he is going to go help someone move. People, it's 9.17 p.m. And she said, oh, we're moving at 11. And I'm like, what are you doing? That doesn't happen. People don't move at 11. And I'm picturing Saren with a family of raccoons somewhere. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? I have lived my whole adult life trying to avoid helping people move. (laughs) Like, the fact that you were going to do it at 11 p.m. on a weeknight is the weirdest thing I have ever heard. (laughs) Seriously, it is the weirdest thing I have heard. I have boundary issues. I have boundary issues. (laughs) In the middle of the night, like you should have an attorney ready just in case you get picked up. (laughs) What are you doing? Well, there's a lot of reasons. But the funny thing is, if you've never heard me speak before about being a stage four cancer survivor. I had so many surgeries. I had three surgeries and I'm not allowed to lift more than. Can I stop you right now? With my left arm so I don't get lymphedema. So I'm a one arm mover. Like that. But again, this brings me to my next question. Like, who in your circle of people is like, you know what? I need to move in the middle of the night. Let me call Saren. She'll be a huge asset. Like, 100, what? Wait, 120 pound one-armed mover. 
<laughs> any sense. <laughs> oh Lord. That is so funny. That is so funny. Wait, and I'm a grandmother by my stepdaughter, right? Okay. So I'm a one-armed, well, I have two arms, but I'm only allowed to move with one. So <laughs> I'm going to call myself a one-armed 120-pound grandmother that right. someone's helping move at 11 o'clock at night. That's funny. That How is funny. people said no before they got to you on their <laughs> 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 so I'm going to tell you why okay. I should actually have a moving company and I am the most popular person to ask about moving because I have a commercial van and that, that cracks a lot of people up because oh. I'm five, four and a half <laughs> with a commercial van that seats 15 and can move a lot of stuff. It is literally one of those commercial contractor vans that okay. you see. I have one of those. Now people go, Saren, why do you have one of those? Yeah. And I say for two reasons, in 2007 to 2008, there was that big crisis in our economy. And so gas guzzling vans reduced in price. They couldn't get rid of them because gas was like $5 maybe even $6 in some places a gallon. And so they were giving away these vans and I got the bargain of a century. I can't resist a bargain. And I just always wanted a van because I hated that. If I bought a piece of furniture, I bought something large. They charged me like $500 to have a moving company to get that to my house. So I just said, I'm going to get me a bargain. I'm just going to get. So I got this stunning and it's beautiful. Most people don't have beautiful commercial vans. I got a 15 passenger Ford Econovan for $13,700. Wow. Is that staggering? That's even less than my Hyundai. I know. And what happens is every contractor that comes wow. to my house literally tries to buy it for more than I paid for it because it only has like 48,000 miles on it. Are you I serious? know it's not my everyday car. So well, I well, thank goodness for that. <laughs> but I'm so tiny and I jump out of this monstrous thing to get gas or to unload it. And it just gets attention because I'm so tiny and I jump out of this thing. But I have just been really generous of spirit in the sense that I help people move or, but you know what? I loan it to my charity and it drives our comedians to the live shows. It brings a lot of sets and props and giveaways. I use it for midnight run where we bring food and supplies to homeless people through the New York area. It just does so much good. I call it like a mitzvah mobile, like the Ooh, good. I love mobile. That. Yeah. yeah. And it's just served in such great ways. And so people who want to move, and they want to move either fragile things or they want to move just enough 
to fit in the van, but not enough to like get a whole moving company. They just go, Saren, can you help me? And so, I don't know. I feel like it just monetizes, but I don't get paid, but just psychically it monetizes that van. So yes, I only paid $13,700 for it, but it just continues to do so much good. But why so late at night? Well, because people work, right? And they just, they have to do it after work or before work. And in this case, the apartment building has a lot of crazy requirements about moving. And so they want to try to sneak in the stuff when people aren't focused and not pay all the fees and things that people have to do to move. And so it's just like stealth. Okay. This makes more sense. Yeah. It's like a stealth thing. And I get it. We've all been there. We've, we've been young and not had the opportunity to like do it. And so they just were like, will you help me? But just know we could get shut down. And I was like, no, I get it. Like we're doing it unconditionally. We're hoping that it, gets into your apartment before it gets blocked. And nice. I, don't know, I like crazy challenges. And this is like a little bit of a challenge. I'm like a challenge person. I like to achieve things that people don't think can happen. So, but I'm trying to remember the last time or the other time we recorded and I was doing something at 11 o'clock at night. You were going to visit somebody. Oh yeah. It was a patient. That's right. It was a patient and they just needed a visit. And I was busy all day between running the charity and speaking. I think we also had a writer's room that day. And I think I was teaching stage four cancer patients on a virtual. And then we were recording the podcast. And so the first minute I had free was like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I had promised them that I would visit and patients have insomnia. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times they're awake and that's when they have the hardest time. And I'm a night owl. So I just knew that it wouldn't be a problem to go visit. I mean, I wake up five thirty, six o'clock every day and yet I love the night. So that's what I was doing. But it, (laughs) and again, it just makes me feel like such a clunker. Because <laughs> you're not a clunker. I, I'm just like, I am sorry. You might get people. <laughs> Missy, can you help me move? No, but here's <laughs> contact information. <laughs> I know you're having trouble sleeping. I personally will be asleep, but I got this lady <laughs> you should talk to. <laughs> <laughs> It just, I'm sorry. And I think it just makes me laugh because I have a peek into literally how scheduled and busy you are. And the fact that you say, oh, I've got to go help somebody move at 11. And you say it like that's a normal thing. (laughs) And that's not, I need you to know it's not normal. (laughs) And it is beautiful that you're willing to do it. But I feel like when you're just, telling me something like that, you should preface it with, you're not going to believe this, but 
I'm going to go do this. Just don't throw it out there because <laughs> it's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> My husband reminds me all the time that this is not normal. And yeah. <laughs> he, he actually says things like, please stop moving people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> please stop visiting people after seven o'clock at night. Come home. These are sentences I'm sure he never anticipated saying. (laughs) (laughs) But then I always say, I didn't hide any of this. No, you were fully aware. And did you think you were going to change me? Like, I I put all this out there. I did not mask any of this. This was my life before. And I guess maybe he thought he would change me, but no, it didn't happen. And I love my husband, but I also, I love being of service and there are just certain things you just do. You just do them. I would, and let's be clear. I would love to think that if someone around here needed me at that time of night, I know in my heart that I would go. But <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, but that butt was so big. I would not state it as if it was a normal thing to do. <laughs> there would be this huge preface. I would nap at a time because you have eighty-seven <laughs> things before you're leaving to go do this. I would have to have like a, a prep nap or something. <laughs> but. Again, doing this and this being the second time where you're going to, I'm getting ready to shut down for the night and you're getting ready to wander out into the night. <laughs> this feels funny to me. <laughs> it's funny. I started by saying it's a boundary issue. I think if I were shrunk, like if I had a therapist looking at the scenario, the therapist would say, that I do have boundary issues and that I should be home with my husband, especially because I like him. (laughs) (laughs) So I probably should go into therapy, but it's just, I feel alive when I do things like this. I like Defying Gravity. I love that song from Wicked, Defying Gravity. I play it all the time and I feel like beating stage four cancer, I have defied gravity and maybe I will get too old to live this kind of life or maybe my husband will finally get through to me and I will stop living double lives in a day. But cancer made me feel invincible. And it's not healthy, but I, it has made me feel invincible. Okay. And that's the thing. If that's what's fueling you right now, and then also fueling the activities that you are feeling so drawn to, I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. It's beautiful. I'm going to continue to tease you about it. Well, I'm not a therapist. I can, (laughs) those things you're like, well, if you're not going to have boundaries, it's wonderful that you're getting to do this for other people. 
right? And it just, it makes me want to joke about the fact that, okay, like secretly pass out her number to everyone. (laughs) 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 And it is, and I can definitely understand in my heart, the fear and what you must have gone through now feeling like I can go, I can do this. There was a time we thought maybe I wouldn't be able to get it. And of course I respect it and I love you so much for it, but I think it's silly. I think it is silly <laughs> that you are leaving to go move in the middle of the night. I also think that our research patients asking me to do a podcast and then asking if it would be daily, and then me writing out 200 episode concepts in 48 hours, and then going, okay, there's no funding, but I will do a 365-day podcast, okay, and then starting it, and now we're over 200 episodes into this crazy thing. I think it's part of it. I think it just goes along with this insane mentality that I have that I could do anything. I, it's fun. It's fun trying and it's really fun not failing, but just knowing that I could rise to the occasion is great. I just think my husband's just like, you are no spring chicken. Like you are not 20 and surviving stage four cancer. And I'm like, I'm not like I feel 20. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh, and that is weird. When somebody has the audacity to bring up your actual number age to you, you're like, what? Yeah. And I think that's the thing. And I'm a huge believer in saying yes. And then figuring it out. I really am. Well, that's, that's common perspective too, because we have to deal with live audience Mm -hmm. and we don't know what they're going to throw at us, whether it's a heckler or we're inviting that kind of interaction. And at the end of that whole exchange, one, we have to make sure the audience isn't uncomfortable. Right. Two, we have to somehow flip that into funny, even Mm -hmm. if it's not funny right? Or something happens. Have you ever had something happen in your audience that was like a medical emergency or something crazy happen? I did. I did. One time years ago, I was at the comedy cabaret and a man fell off a stool and hit his head and he was bleeding and unconscious and everybody was going. So I, I didn't think it would be respectful for me to go on with my act at all. But while people were running around, I kind of calmed my demeanor and got on the mic. I was like, okay, guys, I think we should just stay still. If everybody can kind of stay quiet so the paramedics can communicate over the phone, let's play a couple of quiet games. And I made people, I'm like, okay, who's wearing boxers and who's wearing tidy whities I'm like, tidy whitey people, raise your hand. Boxers people, raise your hands. And then I would do like Netflix or the movie theater. And just, I was on the mic and everybody was respectful then about the noise level, but still had their attention away from the scene. And then when the man left, we were all able to applaud. And then I, they asked me to continue my act and it 
went very well. Well, that's interesting because you kept control of the energy mm-hmm. and you kept the focus and you distracted them from what was going on and so respectful of the person that had the injury. Yes. But at the same time, you used a lot of warm-up techniques that yes. comedians use to warm up a live taping of a show. And you I had done that about them. Oh, so you had the sketch. Yes, I had gotten a couple weeks at CBS doing some warm-up. Did you fill in for Dina Blizzard? or I filled is- in for Tracy Locke for the oh, Harry okay. Jr. show. But Dina was the one that trained Tracy, trained me. So it's like kind of this all little pot. I yes, know I- that warm-up comedy for television is like a little mafia. Yeah. And it's really passed down. You yeah. brought in. It, it's so interesting. Yeah, because I think Joey Cola may have trained Dina Blizzard. He's like Probably. the godfather of, yes. of stand-up. But yeah. It's such a cool, it's such a cool talent to have audience work and to be able to bring an audience's attention to focus and then make everybody have fun. And wow, that was really smart. That was, I am grateful that it came to me quickly Mm -hmm. because in a situation where everybody's laughing and rambunctious and drinking, and then there's an injury and everybody's all, you want to be respectful of the person who's hurt and the people with that person. We don't know how bad this is. Sure. And we don't want this family to have a memory of an entire audience of people cracking jokes, right? Sure. Yeah, um, no, fabulous. Part of it comes from being a mom. A mom and I was a middle school teacher. I was just going to say, yep. the other part comes from the fact that we were both teachers. Yes. And so that it really comes so naturally. I've had so many incidences, but that's because through the Comedy Cures Foundation, we're working with chronically and acutely ill people. I have people in hospice. I have people in dialysis. In addition to the healthcare professionals and the frontline workers, but our audience is very ill and sometimes recovering, sometimes survivors, but a lot of times on oxygen, getting chemotherapy while we're performing. I mean, there are so many different scenarios. Like when we go to the VA and we do veterans programs at the VA hospital, that's a whole nother level of injury and recovery. There's post-traumatic stress. There's bipolar, so many different scenarios. So I've had so many incidences where we had to actually navigate the comedy, but also an incident or a tragedy. Mm. And one I'm thinking of, it was so unexpected. It was a hospital professional, medical professional event with doctors and someone had a heart attack in the front row and I was on stage. Oh my word. I had to handle someone having a heart attack. There were children there (gasps) also. And I had to get, I had to get us through that and then get back on stage and then perform. And similar, similar to what you did, because I had kids in the audience and it was very traumatizing. Yeah. That's a whole level when there's children and that, oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 So that was crazy. But I know when you were talking about what you were doing, I was like, yep, 
mom, school teacher, comedian, mm-hmm. it all comes into the mix, all of it. It does. And when you think, when I'm in a situation like that, I'm not thinking about the moment that I'm in. I'm thinking about how it's going to be carried by the people out of the room. Mm-hmm. I understand. So you think, how can I conduct myself in a way that the people leaving here are going to be okay with what just happened in the room sure. and how it was handled. Sure. You know, like how will the people that were with the sick or injured person feel? How are the other people who paid money to come see their show going to feel like, how is it all going to get plugged in? And then goodness gracious, if you add the whole other level of how is this child going to remember this day forever? Because that's quite, quite a thing. But I think this can be applied to anyone listening. It's not just because we're on a stage. You have an opportunity when there is any kind of unusual situation to be the person that kind of nurtures the situation. And there is a way to use your playfulness or your comic perspective to help. I love people getting the chance to think of you and your van in the middle of the night and know that you can reach out to me for anything except for help moving. Cause I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's just too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> Again, a callback by yes. Miss. <laughs> she went back to the humor about the van and that's what comedians do. They, their mind just works so quickly in that way and they punctuate and she went there to punctuate the episode, put closure on the episode with a callback to how this all started. And Missy, you just live and breathe comic perspective. I'm so glad that you're healing, that your cancer journey has been an easier one for you than what you had expected and that what the doctors prophesized that you would be able to go through this and continue your comedy. That's all manifested for you. And I'm just so honored to do this with you. If you want to stalk Missy, you can. She and her husband, Jeremy, who is also a comedian, have a live date night on Facebook that you can listen to and I'm just so happy that you get to do that with him. What a fun date night. And you can find Missy Hall on social media or just go to comedycures.org and click the record button and talk to me, go through the podcast section, or just go to the menu and hit the contact button and write to me. And I will help you find and stock Missy online. And if you have a way that, you are using comic perspective, or you have tips for how I can have better boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) Call back. There you go. (laughs) You can let me know and I'll hopefully take your advice and I will share any of your yummy things with Missy. And until we meet with Missy again, thank you, Missy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope you have a blessed day and I'll see you tomorrow. 
If you loved today's episode, then tell the world. Why? Because Beating Cancer Daily and our membership circle are both a listener and donor-supported experience. So the more people you tell and the more people that join us, the more robust and interesting programs our nonprofit, the Comedy Cures Foundation, can bring to you throughout the year. I really want you to go to ComedyCures.org. And of course, I always want you to make a donation. It's tax deductible to the extent allowed by law. But what's super exciting is not only can you laugh and explore the comedy there, you can look at our membership levels and find the one that's great for you. And if you're feeling a little bit generous, gift one to a chemo brother or sister or to a caregiver that you just want to help them improve the quality of their day. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Guess what time it is? It's time for me to read the disclaimer. Beating Cancer Daily and the Membership Circle are not in lieu of medical advice or treatment. They are for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare team to review your best strategy. Thanks for listening.